Hallelujah. Thankful for the Lord today. What a great, great, great God. So thankful for him today. And uh, just glad to see you in the house of the Lord today as well. And this morning, uh, the, the format of the lesson will kind of flow a little differently. So uh, we'll go ahead and we're continuing. This is the third lesson in our series on thriving in Babylon. Of course, talking about uh, how we can maintain who we are and still be, not just maintain, but also be productive and be what God intended us to be, even though in this world uh, today it seems like we are more and more the minority uh, as this world is headed more and more toward uh, moving away from God. Um, today we're going to talk about standing strong, how that we stand strong. And our idea today will be that though we live in a world that's hostile toward our faith in Jesus Christ, we must stand for what is right, even when we stand alone. Even if it's just you. you know, it's, uh, uh, we have to get past peer pressure. We have to get past worrying about what the world is thinking, but we must stand for truth because it is truth. We don't do it for favor of this world. We do it because it's right. We stand for the Lord because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes you may be the one, and you may feel like I'm all alone in this, but if you are alone as far as people are concerned, you're never alone concerning the, where the Lord's concerned. He's always with you, and it may just be what you were called to do. Uh, let's go ahead and pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you today and thank you. Oh, for your presence, for being in this house once again. Thank you for the power to stand. Thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need to make it in this life. Bless us now to hear your word, to be encouraged. Lord, that we will stand fast and hold on to the things that you've given us, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give him one more hand clap of praise and a shout. Thankful for his word. I'm thankful be a child of the king amen you can be seated i've said it before preached it before but from hebrews 11 reading all the trials and tribulations that god's people went through and that god's people are tough and see not and say they were hard-hearted or that they were mean or anything i said they're tough uh they they fought lions they they, man, you know, they, they were tortured, they, they were uh, persecuted, and, and still they would not give in. They stood for the faith that had made them part of the body. They stood for the faith of Jesus Christ. And, and we read through the scriptures so many uh, examples of people who stand. We're going to talk about some of them in a moment. But, you know, even in this world outside of scripture, there are, are people, there are stories, people that you probably know. Uh, maybe uh, missionary people especially probably that have went into countries by themselves, uh, even though it was a country that uh, did not accept Christianity and did not accept the preaching of Jesus Christ, but they would go anyway and God would move miraculously and do things. And um, even in, not my lifetime, but um, in this state of Georgia when the truth of the oneness of God and, and things uh, came in. There was a lot of persecution. Um, uh, I believe it was Brother Montgomery that uh, they he was getting ready to baptize a group of people down, uh, I believe, at the river there in Porterdale, Georgia. And, and uh, they came and 
and beat him and whipped him uh, and said, you will not baptize these people. But when they finished with him, he got up and got going. They said, where are you going? He said, I'm going down the river to baptize these people because uh, the truth was greater. And, you know, we have not had that happen. I know that even my pastor, Brother Everhart, told us of a story of a man. He said a, a man showed up to my house one day. He was upset because uh, his wife was in, in the church now and she was believing what was going on. And, and, of course, it was making things rough at home. He didn't like it because things weren't comfortable anymore. He, he couldn't. She was praying all the time and wanting to go to church. And he said the man showed up to his house he said and had on a pair of bib overalls and said had his hand stuck inside his overalls he said and had a pistol he said he came to shoot me he was tell me what I I wasn't going to preach that no more leave his wife alone tell her to leave the church and he said but the power of the Lord came down right there and and on that man conviction fell on that man and he didn't didn't do it he said but I didn't back down he said because I knew the Lord was with me and uh, and so I'm thankful that we have not I'm I'm glad we haven't had to endure that I don't know that it won't ever come down to a time that we won't have to endure things like that. But I'm saying right now, we, have, we live in such a blessed day that we can just live for God, go to church, read the Bible, pray, and do things. Sure, people might post ugly about you or, you know, or, you know cuss you out or maybe something you know, like that. But, but anybody pull a gun on me for preaching or... Anybody come and whip me, say, hey, you're not going to baptize those people today. Nothing like that. Um, we have not resisted under blood. You know, but we do live in a world today where it's, uh, it's for us, the pressure sometimes of standing up against the crowd, against the group, against uh, you know, uh, people who we, we feel like, well, I'm outnumbered. There's just too many, and so I'm going to serve God for myself, and I'm just do for myself, and I'm not going to stand out. I don't want to uh, cause a ripple or a stir. But God's people have always been causing ripples and stirs <laughs> ever since the day of Pentecost. You know, we, we read in the Scripture how that they were turning the world upside down, and, and uh, in one place they were... Uh, so upset because of the apostles preaching. They said they're trying to bring this man, talking about Jesus, they're trying to bring his blood on us. And exactly that's what we're trying to do. We want you to have the blood of Jesus applied to you. But but uh, they would beat them and command them, do not speak or preach in this name anymore. And they would just go out rejoicing because uh, they knew it was better to obey God than to obey man. And so uh, they counted themselves uh, just, it was a great, honor they were to be counted worthy to suffer for the name and the preaching of Jesus Christ and and there are people like that today or that have been in this world not just that are written in Bibles but you can uh, begin to search like apostolic oneness Pentecostal biographies and you could find a lot of great uh, people uh, there's a man uh, brother Seagraves wrote a, a, a biography on a man and Andrew Urshan and he was an early 20th century oneness Pentecostal. He, he went to Persia in the first days of World War I. And it was during the beginning of the Armenian Genocide. Now, if you don't read history or you're not a big history guy, you have no idea probably what that is. So, uh, but you can look that up or read about it or get the book that Brother Seagraves wrote and read about this man. 
But just a sh- one short part of his life there, there was a country in, in Ada, Urshan, established the beachhead there of Pentecostalism. He was met with severe persecution, including the shooting death of one of the new believers, which was a woman. The lives of those who embraced Urshan's message were in danger of death. But in spite of this, about 50 people were baptized with the Holy Ghost in Ada. Uh, violent political upheaval soon reached northwest Persia. And Urshan wrote in his own memoirs, he said, When the massacre came to the town of Ada, it suffered frightfully. Indeed, to a greater extent than of other Christian villages. The Kurds murdered their young men and insulted their young women and destroyed their homes in a wholesale-like slaughter. These massacres were carried out under the authority of the Ottoman Empire. And on January the 8th, 1915, Turkish and Kurdish gangs attacked Armenian and Assyrian villages. More than 18,000 Armenians, Assyrians, and Muslims fled. One and one-half million Armenian men, women, and children were killed. Another 500,000 survivors were expelled from their homes during these violent days. In Karajalu, Urshan learned a religious mob sought him. Screams rang from the homes and throughout the streets. He went into a home with those who embraced his ministry, and the doors and windows were locked and bolted. As the mob approached the house, beating on the door, confusion arose among the men, resulting in Urshan's enemies cursing, fighting with one another, and then scattering. And those in the house with Urshan had said, they will have to kill us before they touch you. And that's a scary way to, to live preaching the gospel. But... Uh, I could go on and on. There's so much uh, actually in this lesson that is written about that, uh, about his story, about the things they saw and, and the threats they came under and how close they came. Uh, and they were not only, uh, you know, concerned about uh, all the people they were that were there, but they all began to embrace and accept we're going to be martyred for the Lord, and they rejoiced. They just kept preaching. Because what greater honor, what greater thing to happen than uh, to give your life in the ministry. And uh, with this whole country, this armed forces, these people against him, uh, he would stand and, and, and be that voice of one, so to speak, crying in the wilderness. He was there to stand and preach the gospel even in the peril of his life. It's amazing what one person can do. Uh, but we have to be, as the lesson said, we've got to be ready to stand uh, for the Lord, even if it seems like we stand alone. Even if it seems like there's nobody else with us, we have to realize that we are not alone because the Lord will be with us. Paul wrote something very similar to Timothy in Second Timothy 4 and 16 uh, and through 18. He said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. He will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul said, even though people forsook me at the preaching of this message. Why they left, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to die. Maybe they weren't there to give their life. But Paul said, I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to stand strong for the Lord. And, and even though everybody else left me, 
God did not leave me, but he strengthened me. See, we never have to give in and surrender because God's going to be with us. Whenever it feels like we're standing alone, remember, you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone. You may feel like you don't have anybody on your side, but God is on your side. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And that's, and that's more than just him being with us when we feel like uh, things are unfair. This is him standing with us when uh, the, the fiery trials are coming, when persecution arises. He, when he was talking to them on those days, he knew what was coming for them. He knew that they would be persecuted and chased and they would be uh, chased around and living in caves and, and wandering around just hiding, uh, trying to preach every time they could, trying to stay alive long enough to get the gospel out. But he knew that it would be under death, most of them. Uh, you think it surprised him that all those disciples that followed him, that, that most of them all ended up dying a martyr's death? He knew it was coming, but he also knew, I'll be with you, and I'll strengthen you in that day. And that's what Paul said, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and then preserve me. Paul said, somebody's got to make the Gentiles know. Somebody's got to preach to those Gentiles and let them know what's going on. Somebody's got to be there to do that. It's going to be me. Maybe nobody else wants to go with me. Everybody else left me, but God stayed with me so I could do what I'm supposed to do. You know, sometimes our aloneness is simply because this is our job. This is what God called us to, not 20 people to. Sometimes he takes one person. Paul said that by me. By me. It's not he was trying to say, look at what I can do. He said, this is simply what God gave me to do. And if I have to do this on my own sometimes, I'll do it. I'm not going to quit preaching because I don't have the crowd. I'm not going to quit preaching because I don't have all the hands patting me on the back. I'm not, I'm not going to quit preaching because uh, I, I'm not accepted everywhere I go because God called me to preach this and make this mystery, this gospel known to these Gentiles. Somebody's got to do it, and he chose me. The reason Paul could say, I finished my courses because he did everything that God asked him to do. He preached everywhere he was supposed. There was not one city or town that Paul skipped or missed. If he'd have went back somewhere else, he's just making another turn because he went and did everything that God asked him to do, and that was just him. Friend, we've got to be able to stand strong today in Babylon. It's not that we've got to make this happen on our own. God's going to be with us. He said, and the Lord strengthened me. He strengthened me so I could do it. And sometimes we feel like, I don't know that I can do that. I promise you. That's why Paul would write, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can walk into cities where I know they want to kill me and preach the gospel. I can go into places where I know they're plotting my death and still preach the gospel. Friend, he was stoned and left for dead. They plotted against him to take his life, but he said, I'm going anyway. One time they tried to stop him. Paul, don't, don't go. Just stay. We, if you go, they're going to kill you. And he said, why are you weeping and trying to break my heart and trying to stop me? He said, I'm, I'm ready uh, not only to be bound, but to give my life. I've got to finish the ministry that Jesus gave me. And so if it means with my life, that's just what it will be. But sometimes we feel alone. 
but I, I, I want to say we're not alone. Even Jesus made a statement in John 16 and 32 when he was, all his disciples were about to leave him. He was affixed to be arrested. He said, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. But then he said, And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Oh, sometimes things happen and it makes people run. We got to stand. Jesus said, They're going to leave me alone. I'll be alone. Those that I have taught are going to run off and I'll be alone. Those that I have shown miracles to, I've walked on water with them. <laughs> Leave me alone. But I'm not alone. The Father is with me. God is with me. And, and I'm thankful because he had something to do. And so he didn't let uh, that, that, you know, he was a, a man. He was tempted in all points as we were. So even the temptation of you're alone. Nobody's standing with you. No, where, hey, where's that rock, Peter, that you were talking about? Where, where's John, that one that would lay his head on your chest? Where, where'd those guys that were so close to you, where'd they go? Jesus, now we're leading you off uh, uh, to your death, and where are they? He was tempted like we are. But he knew, I can do this because the Father is with me. And I know sometimes that we feel like, hey, I'm alone, but just like Jesus, we've got a job to do. We've got to let our light shine. We've got to be able to, to let people know that, hey, we live in this world today, and we serve a mighty God, and we're going to do the things that God wants us to do, even if I have to do it by myself. Now, the good thing is we know that's most likely that's never going to happen. It's never just going to be us by ourselves. But sometimes, like in a school, you may feel like, I'm the only one. Or on a job, I'm the only one. you got to stand. Friend, people need us. We are the light of the world. We, we've got to stay lit. Now, I knew as soon as I said that, the candles got to stay lighted. Okay? Oh, mercy. But, but you know, here's the thing about that. When Jesus talked about that, he said, you take that candle and you put it on a candlestick so that it lights the room and everybody enjoys the light of it. Well, we go into a dark room. And he didn't say like it was a bunch of candles on one. He said a candle on a candlestick. That's one. One candle right there, you, your light, can influence so many people in the dark. Hey, if all the lights were out in this room right now, there were no windows, it was pitch dark, light one candle, everybody's going to see it. It will be a light, a point of reference for everybody. And so, well, you know what you don't need on a, on a candle? Candle is just natural. You know, it's natural as fire. It's God-created light. That's it, fire. But you know what you don't need? You don't need a shade. You know, too many people's got lamps. They won't put a shade over it so they can tone it down just a bit. You ever take, been changing the light? Well, you take the shade off, you put the bulb on, as soon as you light it, it's like, wow, that bulb's like. But it's, you can stare at it as long as the shade's over it. 
A lot of people uh, want to be a lamp of the world. Uh, let's put a shade right here so people can still see the lights on, but it be looks a lot dim. It's not so in your face, not so, not so bright. But the Lord intended us to shine as bright as we can shine. When you light a candle, it's going to burn one. It's going to burn hot. It's going to burn. That's it. You can't turn it up, down. That's it. That's the light. That's the light that God gave us. That's the fire that God gave us. No shades, no filters, just the pure light of the Holy Ghost shining. Don't turn it down. See, we feel alone when we do that. Because even Jesus said in John 3, he said, you know, light came in the world. But men love darkness. People love darkness and, and they, they hate light because it shows what they're doing. It's, it, it, it reveals what they're, what they're doing. And so we feel like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to bother people. So we tone our light down. We got to stand no matter who else is standing. You got to let your light, he said, let your light so shine before men. If you see somebody that's like, hey, look, can you talk about something else besides Jesus? They love darkness. I love Jesus too. I'm just not going to talk about him. Then that's like having a house without flipping the light switch on. That's like having a candle without putting a match to it. Because he's the light. And if you're going to talk about him, you're going to talk about light. There ain't no darkness in him. And when people say, I don't want to talk about the Lord anymore, they're slipping into darkness. Friend, we've got to stand even if we stand alone. We've got to stand for truth. We've got to stand uh, up and, and realize that, hey, I might just be one. Well, you know, David was just one. He was one boy, young man, who was willing to stand against the enemies of Israel. When David showed up to the, the, the battlefield and all of Israel was shaking and hiding because of one big, ugly dude, Goliath, he would come out and he would threaten the armies of Israel. And he said, who is this threatening God's kingdom, God's people? Who is? And, and here he comes with his shepherd clothes on. He's got a little bag with a sling, and you know, he, he's fishing to go pick up some rocks. He's carrying bread and cheese. And he's like, but, but I hear something going on that ain't right. And they're like, you can't. Even the king, the king said, you can't fight with him. You're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. You can't go out there. He said, don't worry, I'll go. He didn't say, let me pick out five or six to go with me. He said, I'll go. And he said, because I know that the Lord can deliver me from lions and he can deliver me from bears, and this guy will be no different. And today, I'm going to take his head off. And it said he didn't uh, try to flank him or do a sneak attack. He just run on out. Got his rocks, went going, hey, you got your armor, you got your spear, you got your sword, and your shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he defeated that giant. And when he defeated that giant all by himself, he's the one that knocked him down. He's the one that cut off his head. Now Israel got real brave, and here comes Israel chasing the rest of the army. It just took one to stand up and show them what you're supposed to do. Listen, 
it was meant for him. Goliath was ordained. That meeting between David and Goliath was ordained of God. God was going to show them what one man could do in the name of the Lord. If you would just believe and trust God, it doesn't matter how big the obstacle is. I'm going to be with you. You're going to win. But stand. Don't hide. Don't hide in your tents. Don't shake. Don't, don't sit up and boast like you've got some army and then, but I ain't coming out. I got swords and shields up here, spears, all that stuff. I ain't coming out. It took one guy with a bag of rocks and a sling because he trusted in the name of the Lord to show the rest of this army this is what God can do. Friend, we'll be amazed at what God can do through us if we will just simply stand. Stand strong, uh, stand firm in the name of the Lord. Now, Brother Urshan, where he was at there, about 2,500 years before that, there was another incident in that same part of the world. And there were three guys who faced the possibility of death for refusal. They were not going to renounce their allegiance to the one true God. You know who I'm talking about. We've been reading out of Daniel this week, talking about Daniel uh, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they would not serve Nebuchadnezzar's gods or worship this golden image that he had erected. So the king said, I'll burn you alive. If you don't do it. And this is what they said in their response. Well, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, I love that. But if not, it doesn't matter what you do, king. We're not going to bow down. Just be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. We're not going to do it. It doesn't matter what you offer or what you threaten. It doesn't matter what happens. We know we might die. That'll be all right. We would rather die for God than live for you. That's the way it is. I'd rather die for the Lord in this world than to live for this world. I'm not going to do it. Somebody's got to stand and say, you know, well, you know, again, you know, we talked about how people, uh, when they offered Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that food, Daniel is just a little food. Come on, man, that's not a big deal. Keep, pray, keep praying three times a day like you always do, but just eat their food. He said, I'm not going to let go of one little thing that God has placed in my life. I'm not going to do that because once I do that, I've went against his word. I've gone against what I'm supposed to do. I, I can't do it. So I'm not, I, I'm not, we're not going to eat that food. We're not going to do it. We're not going to defile. He said defile ourselves. We're not going to defile ourselves. And that's what, you know, hey, come on, boys. Look, you want to live another day? Man, just, just fall down. Don't say nothing. Just bow down and just pretend. Just move your mouth. Act like you're worshiping. Do something. But do something to stay alive. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm like the world. The Bible tells me to abstain from the appearance of evil. I'm not even going to pretend I'm like the rest of the world. I'm going to stand. And if I have to stand alone on my job, I'll stand alone on my job. If I have to stand alone in my school, I'll stand alone in my school. If I have to stand alone in my home, I'll stand alone because it's more important to stand for the truth than to compromise and, and try to 
water it down. How will anybody see what God can really do if we bow down? How will they know that we really serve the God we say we serve when we stop pulling back, when we don't stand where everybody can see, when we don't let that light shine so everybody can see it? We need people to see what God can do. And everybody doesn't want to do that. Everybody doesn't want to be a part of it, but that's all right. Sometimes it's just us who are going to inspire, who are going to encourage. We're going to be the ones that people say, you know what, I watched you through it all. And through it all, you never changed. Through it all, you never wavered. Through it all, you never backed up on God. Just like Job, why don't you curse God and die? You're talking like a, talking to his wife. You talk like a foolish woman. That can get you in trouble. Talk like a foolish woman. I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to let go of my integrity. I'm not going to, just because things are not going right, if I'm the only one who thinks I should hold on to God and just let it be like that, I'm going to hold on to God. I'm sticking with him because he's never failed me, never let me down, came through, loved me when I was unlovable, washed my sins away, filled me with the Holy Ghost, has shown me miracle after miracle. How could I ever back up on God? I'm going to stand because I know he'll be there. I wonder how many times God has stood by himself because we forgot to stand or refused to stand or just chose not to stand. And the Lord's going to say, you know, let me play back some, some memories when we get before him. I was standing there that day when all that was going on, but you was nowhere to be found. I was there to encourage you. I was there, to, I was there with your miracle, but you didn't stand. I want to stand for the Lord. And, you know, everybody knows about these three Hebrew guys, what they did, how they stood, but they, friend, they go into the fire. The fire is so hot it kills the guys that, that heated it up, but it don't kill them. They don't get singed. They don't smell like smoke. Uh, it doesn't burn their clothing up. All it does is burn off the, the, the cords that they were bound with. That's the only thing that burn up. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar sees four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire with no harm. Nobody's screaming. Nobody's hollering. Nobody's like, get me out of here. They just, they don't have to run because Jesus is with them. The Lord's with them. God's with them. And he said, I see four men loose because God will not leave you. Everybody else might bow down. But if you don't, even if you make it into the furnace, it doesn't mean God won't be with you. God's going to stand with you. And if we're ever going to, you know, if people are ever going to see us in our fiery furnaces and it means something today, then we better stand. We've got to be willing to risk and, and demonstrate that God will be with us. And God won't let us down. These boys said, under no circumstances, king, just be it known unto thee. I'm just telling you so you'll know. You can hear from my lips. Read what I'm saying. We will not bow and we will not serve. We're going to stand. And if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. The great part about it is we never stand alone. God is always with us. We may feel like uh, we're all by ourselves, but oh no, God is going to be with us. And when we'll stand, God can do great things.
In 2 Samuel 23, it begins to recount things about David's mighty men. And uh, there's a man in verse 11 says there was a man named Shema, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he, not they, he alone stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Let me tell you, great conflict will birth great courage. And when you know that God is on your side, friend, there was an army coming up, uh, gathered together, a troop was gathered together. One man said, I will not back down. I would have loved to have been watching that. I've said this before, maybe in heaven there'll be some replays. There'll be a video library or something. So I sure would love to see that. Watch one guy just back up and say, come on. You know, and a lot of people say, you know, hey, guess what, Shaman? It's, a, it's, it's nothing but a piece of grass. It's, it's peas, man. It's lentils. We got, so, so we got another garden on the other side of the mountain. Come on, let's just leave this alone. There's no sense. Listen, if this is ours, I'm not giving it up to the enemy. And if you need to run, if that's what you got to do, run. I'm standing. Because the enemy wouldn't want it if it didn't mean something. It might not mean nothing to anybody else, but it must mean something to him. He wants to take what is ours. He wants to come in and get what's mine. But I'm not giving it up. I'm going to stand. Just me, by myself, I'll stand. And because he stood and trusted God, it says God wrought a great victory. He stood and defended it. We just got to stand and defend the truth sometimes. We got to stand up and defend what God gave us. And not, you know, you can't let people, you know, well, it's just lentils. It's not just lentils. It ain't about the lentils. It's about the enemy trying to take what's ours. Oh, they'll try to bring that on us because of the way we live. Well, it's just, you know, that's just, no, it's not just. They're trying to take from us the way we live. They want to stop who we are. They want us to put on a shade. They want us to put on some filters. They don't want that pure light shining out. They want us to change and and just be a little bit more like the world. But we're not going to do that. We're going to be holy because he's holy. We're going to live our life for him. We're going to let our light so shine. We're not going to alter the light. God has got things that we, we need to listen to in his word. We've got to stand for it. We've got to stand up for truth in this day and age. And, and just like uh, he did for Shema, and just like he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God will fight for us. God will be with us. God will defend what we're doing. He always will. He always does. Paul wrote to the church in Second Thessalonians. I think I gave you that, uh, 14 and 15. He, he said, whereunto he called you, talking about the Lord. The Lord called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory. God wants you to have the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, for this reason, since God wants you to have nothing but glory, 
Brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught. Hold on to what you've heard, whether by our word or whether by word or our epistle. And Paul said, listen, God only wants you to have glory. We don't want you to have anything less than what God wants you to have. So brethren, stand fast. Hold to the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. You know, anything we've, we've said, anything we're standing for, we're trying to get you closer to God. We're trying to get you home. We're trying to help you. The Bible says the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints so they could be better and not tossed about with every wind of doctrine. He wants them to be what they're supposed to be. And so he said, if, if, in these letters, I mean, we, we do that today. We read Paul's word. We read his letters, his epistles, and that things that Peter wrote and that Paul wrote, and we, we, we see these things, and we preach them, and we quote them, and we post them. So we ought to live by them. We need to live by these words today. But he said, stand for it, because we're going to come to a time where uh, people won't listen to the gospel. They won't listen to the words. They're going to have itching ears. They're getting, just heaping up teachers. Let me hear what they got to say. Let me see what they got to say. Let me read what they've got to say. And oh, that fits my lifestyle. And all of a sudden, we're not standing where we used to stand. I want to find something that will fit my lifestyle, something that won't make me stand out. I want to find something that won't. And people, well, I, you know, I don't want to make a reputation of myself. Well, good, don't. But you can stand for truth and not make a reputation of yourself. Jesus did it. He, he, he stood for the truth, but he never, um, he wasn't there to try to make a, rep, hey, look, look at me, make a, a reputation of himself. He just did what he was supposed to do. And if we do what we're supposed to do, that's not making a reputation for yourself. That's just being steadfast, holding on to what God has given, remembering that God will be with us. Hey, hey, God wants us to have the glory. God wants us to be the church that he called us to be. God wants us to have everything that he has designed. And he will give us those things. And and he'll do a great victory through us when we stand. He'll do a great victory through us when we believe him. When uh, Nebuchadnezzar realized, you know, he he begins, he says, all right. He calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Ben to go out. And he's like, and he's just blown away. He's like, there's no God like your God. And when he realizes that, this is what he says, Daniel 3, 28 through 30. He said, blessed be the God. You know, before he said, now who is this God that will deliver you? But now he's blessing this God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. So, therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'll be cut in pieces. Their houses will be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, thriving in Babylon. This king needed to know what God could do. But the only way he would know would be for three guys to say, you know what, if nobody else stands, 
we're going to stand because we want to show you, King, what God can do. This world needs to know what God can do. Now, some of them are searching, and they're really desperate. They want to know something. They have a need, like we read in our last lesson about Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, man, i got a, a dream. I don't know. I don't even remember the dream. I don't even remember the interpretation. I have a need. I need somebody to help me. Some of them will come at us like this king. It's like, hey. In this this chapter, he's like, okay, I'm going to burn you up if you don't do what I ask. Sometimes it's, you know, out of desperation. Sometimes it's out of I'm the king. But he said, they stood, and it changed the king's word. I, I, this is what I said would happen, and I tried to do it, but it just didn't work because their God was with them and delivered. No God can deliver after this sort. And so uh, the king realized that, man, there is a God uh, a real God, more than something carved out of stone or, or formed out of clay or made out of gold or silver, but there is a real living God that delivers his people. And I'm the king over this place, and I still couldn't touch them. I couldn't hurt them. Don't be worried about this world. Listen, if we were to give our life in this world, we'd open our eyes in glory. But I believe that God's going to deliver and bless his church and take care of his church. He said, I'm building the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe God's going to take care of his people. And so this rising of people of faith to positions of power and influence is not uncommon in Scripture. We see it, you know, even in the story of Esther, you know, when uh, she went in and she was picked by the king to be his queen. Just because she was the queen, she didn't just have direct access on any day but she knew that she was born for such a time as this that she was there for a reason and and so she knew that my people are going to be destroyed they're going to be killed and it's all plotted by one of the king's men and uh, I'm going to risk my life and just go in and, and hopefully the king will extend his scepter and everything will be okay and he did but she was willing to take that risk because somebody needed to stand for her people. And so we need to be ready to stand because who knows if maybe the situation we're in, we were not born for that. That's where God wanted us to be. That's where God uh, wanted us to, to, to show that my God can provide, my God can deliver, my God can do anything. We've got to be willing to stand. Sometimes even if it looks like we're alone. Because God will always be with us. You can come to the music this morning. I want to read, before I get you to stand, I'm going to read you one more passage uh, from this life of Brother Urshan. Just understanding that someone outside of Scripture, uh, what they went through. When they were fleeing, they were headed toward this place, um, Ermia. That's the way you say it, Ermia. He, he had a group of people that were traveling with him. They were fleeing. and said so they were passing through just uh, hails of bullets. And uh, Urshan described it like this. He said, we saw terrible sights all around us. People were being killed and stripped naked. Dead bodies lay everywhere. And wild dogs were eating the carcasses. Young girls were being taken away from their parents and young wives from their husbands. But not one of the young women with us was touched. We were about 75 souls wonderfully kept and delivered from death. 
by the Lord Jesus in whom we trusted. After climbing walls, this is 75 people, wading through rocky streams, crossing vineyards, trudging over hills and through valleys, Urshan's group reached the walls of the city of Ermia. Urshan and his group had to pass through thousands of Muslims gathered around the walls of Ermia, waiting to capture and kidnap Christians. But when the Muslims saw Urshan's group, which included Christian boys, girls, mothers, wives, and husbands, they rushed up to them, shaking their hands and telling them not to fear. This is the reverse of the expectations of Urshan and his group, and it caused them to weep for joy. The Muslims, thinking they were frightened, arranged for several men to accompany the group to the gates of the Presbyterian mission. And as they walked for two miles through streets filled with mad mobs of the anti-Christians, those who saw them wept as they passed, shouting, God keep you. They had traveled through carnage and the threat of death with no harm done to them. Following the massacres, survivors experienced a complete lack of sanitary conditions. Many died of typhus, including Urshan's mother, who contracted the disease while she cared for the sick. No less than 4,000 died of disease in Ermia during the time of this Turkish occupation. Urshan himself contracted typhus while ministering to those afflicted with the disease. And although he helped many while he was praying for his niece, he felt virtue leaving his body and the disease entering in. The girl instantly recovered, but Urshan suffered severely. His fever was extremely high. He lost all his hair. His skin peeled off as if it was burned. His fingernails fell off. He lost almost all of his sight and hearing. For 36 days, he was bedfast. There were many attempts on Urshan's life in Persia. He expected to die on five different occasions. Mobs tried to kill him, but the power of God would come upon him and he would sing. Seeing he had no fear of death, nobody would touch him. A servant who was commanded by his master to kill Urshan angered his master when he could not do it. And once a hired killer was promised a large sum of money to kill Urshan, but a believer who knew this killer and who knew he was a traitor to the government learned of his plan and reported him to the authorities. And the would-be assassin was arrested and killed with the same weapon that he had planned to use to take Urshan's life. Urshan was only 29 years old when he arrived in his home village of Abajalu on his mission to proclaim the gospel in Persia. He spent slightly more than two years in Persia and Russia, but he was able during that time and in the face of intense opposition to establish works enduring to this day, reaching beyond their place of origin to impact many in other nations. Now, this is from that biography from Brother Seagraves. But you see, when people stand, God moves. God works. This, this Bible... And this life is filled with stories and stories of people who said, you know what, this gospel is worth more than anything, and I'll stand for it. And when they stand, God always moves. God always comes on the scene. God records that in history. Sometimes we feel like we're all alone in it. But if you feel that, maybe it's because it's you alone that's supposed to be doing it. But you'll never be alone truly because God will always be with you let's stand together let's thank God this morning for a moment just lift your hands and begin to thank him that God has given us power to stand he's given us strength and benefits he, he's given us that whole armor of God that 
shield of faith where we can quench those fiery darts. Come on, somebody. What's God calling you to today? What's God doing in your life today? Uh, I'm going to stand for Jesus. Uh, I'm going to stand for the gospel. Uh, I'm going to stand for truth. Hallelujah. We would not be here today without people like that that stood. People that said, I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that Brother Montgomery and those people, Brother Payne and different ones, when they came to Georgia with that message, they stood. That they stood for that one God, Jesus' name, baptism, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. I'm glad that they stood. I'm glad today that there's still elders that know and remember those things and, and they're still standing true today. We need those landmarks. We need those old landmarks in our life. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the Lord today? Let's give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. I'm thankful. You know, today we celebrate remembering Pentecost. It's our heritage. But our heritage, you know, it doesn't just go to that day. It's, it's in people that we've known over the years. It's in parents and grandparents and elders and people that we've watched stand true. You know, Brother Hart used to tell us about the ladies that from his church. They worked down at the mill, and said when they would go to work, said people would stand by and, and call them names and because they, because they wouldn't cut their hair they'd call them stringy hair and stringy head and, and they'd make fun of them because they would wear their modest clothing and things and, and just make fun of them call them names but they stuck to it and they'd get off work and they'd go to revival and they'd see blinded eyes open and cancers healed and people filled with the Holy Ghost and they just kept seeing God do great things and great things because it didn't bother them what they said about him because they knew they were doing it to the glory of God. Friend, let's serve him today and let's see God do some great things. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.